that you're on your way to heaven and not knowing Christ, not having him in your life, not having the Holy Spirit. And uh, God, is, God is so good at allowing us to know him. And I'm going to just take a couple of minutes before we get into the lesson tonight and give you an opportunity. Maybe you've got a praise, a thanks. Um, it's good to see Elaine back. Elaine, welcome back. Did you have a good trip seeing Judy? That's good. That's good. I saw some of your pictures. Looks like you had a great time. But welcome back. Good to see you. But maybe you have a praise that you'd like to share tonight. Uh, God has answered prayer. How God's been good. What God is blessing in your life. Opportunity maybe you've had to share or witness. Anybody want to just give a testimony tonight? Brother Harold. Wow. Amen. That's good. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Brother Eric, if you'll turn the mic on for this, you, you should be able to pick that up. Um, praise the Lord. It's so good to know God God is protecting your grandson. Thank you for that testimony, Brother Harold. Anybody else? A testimony of praise to the Lord or thanks? Yeah, Sue. Thank you, Sue. It's good to have you here. It certainly is. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Somebody else? Anybody want to give a testimony tonight? A praise? Thanks? How God's working in your life. Jeremy. Amen. That's great. It's been good to see you too, Jeremy. Praise the Lord for that. I appreciate your help too. Jeremy gets here early. He says, what can I do to help? He's always setting stuff up, putting things up. And uh, I praise the Lord for that. It, it's a real blessing. But that's not the most important. For me, the most important thing is Jeremy's here with his kids and being faithful to services. Praise the Lord for that. Somebody else. I saw a hand over. Yeah, Catherine. That's great. She's such a sweet person. That name, Sunny, is such a good name for her. Continue to pray for her, though. She's needing to get healed up, and uh, it's going to take a miracle at her age. Uh, she believes that she'll never get out of where she's at now, but we can pray. Let's pray with her. And thank you for mentioning that, Catherine. Amen. Yes, Owen. 
Amen. Praise the Lord for the answer to prayer that Owen's eye is back to normal. No more Nerf guns in the eye, right? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to see that, Owen. Yes. Really. Oh, that's great. Praise the Lord for that. We've been praying for her for so long. It's good to hear that. Thank you, Lele, for sharing that testimony. That's great. Yes, Elaine. We all know. We understand, Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yep. That's great. <laughs> yep. Oh, That's great. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. How's Ed doing? Good. Oh, Ukraine? We ought to, we, it's good. It's good to share the gospel though with people. People that you're coming in contact with. That's great. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah. He just wants to be heard. I understand. That's all right. Back there. Back. Yeah, Eric. Amen. Amen. That's great. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord for that. What a blessing. Amen. I think it's good times for us to stop and to spend some time together just sharing what God has done. Don't do it all the time, but it, I think it's a good thing that we, we do take time. Um, I appreciate hearing your testimonies. Anybody else? Wanna, I don't want to cut it off if you want to share a testimony. All right, let's get our Bibles. Oh, Peach, uh, go ahead, PJ. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Amen to that. God's taking care of you and you're doing, doing better than you ever thought possible, right? Praise the Lord. That's good. All right, let's look here in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> look at verse number 41, if you would. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for allowing us, Lord, to come together tonight and to be able to share testimony of praise unto you. And Lord, the answers to prayer, the uh, Lord, this, um, the miracles that you do. Lord, the friends that you give us, the family that you give us, Lord, I thank you so much for it. Thank you for allowing us, Lord, to open up your word now and uh, to join together and study your word. I pray, Lord, that we would listen tonight as you speak. Lord, I pray that you would bless our church. Lord, that this study would help us to grow. Uh, Lord, I pray that we draw closer to you. And Lord, that we desire for our church to emulate uh, the picture that we see here, here in Acts chapter 2, this new, new church, Lord, and, and how you blessed it. Lord, that you'd bless our church. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, here in Acts chapter 2, we see that uh, 3,000 baby believers are, are, are saved. Now we see a picture now of what happens after they get saved. We see a picture of how the church operates and what, what's going to happen and, and how God is going to bless it. We began a couple of weeks ago looking at some distinguishing um, factors that, that, that are revealed about this church and how we can look at them and compare them to our church and what we want to see as a church. And uh, the, 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 the title of the study that we began several months ago is the, the Church Ablaze. And then the subtitle of our study we're looking at right now is What is a New Testament Church? What is a New Testament Church? And uh, a couple of weeks ago, as we began to look at this, we started by looking at the marks of a New Testament church. I just want to go back and review very quickly. But there were four, marked, uh, four marks of that infant church. And the first one is marked by truth. Marked by truth. Um, the, the apostles' doctrine is what they continued steadfastly. And they continued to study the, the doctrine that Jesus Christ had taught the apostles. And so that was the foundation of their doctrine. They, they, they were grounded in truth, and so it was marked by truth. Secondly, it was marked by the tie. They were fellowshipping together. They, not only did, were they taught doctrine, but there was a fellowship that took place. And um, th that was the first occurrence that we see of that Greek word koinonia, um, fellowship in the New Testament. We see it many times after that, but it's, it's more than just sometimes we think of the word fellowship, we have the wrong idea of what real fellowship is. It's a commonness. It's a commonality. Um, it's a matter of not just receiving, but giving. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that if we really want fellowship, we have to be a giver. Giving to one another, being willing to give and to fellowship with one another. And so they were marked by their fellowship. Uh, thirdly, they were marked by the table. They were, had the breaking of bread. They observed the, the, the ordinance that, that Christ had given and breaking of the bread and remembering what Christ had done for them. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's really, can you imagine them at that, that, as these 3,000 got saved and they had their first time that they broke the bread and they drank of the cup and they remembered what Jesus had done? And I say that because can you imagine how close it would have been to when Christ had done that? That's something that struck me as I was preparing for tonight. I thought, I'd never really thought about the fact that when they observed the Lord's Supper, many of them had heard about what had happened. They had, perhaps they had, maybe they'd seen from afar what had happened. And when they were breaking that bread and drinking that cup, can you imagine how it would have impacted them? And thinking about that. And let me just stop and say for just a moment, it ought never grow old for us when we break the bread and we drink of the cup and we remember what Christ did for us. We see that they did that. It was part of what, what the church was. And so they were baptized, and then they, uh, the first ordinance, they followed the Lord and believers' baptism, and then there was the breaking of bread. Next, we see that they were marked by the throne. They were steadfast in praying, too. Um, it, they, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. They believed in the power of prayer. And they saw God answering that prayer in a great and powerful way. And so um, we, we saw the, the marks of them. Secondly, last week we noticed the membership of a New Testament church. Um, what's the first distinctive of a member of a church? What is the most important distinctive of a member of a church? What should it be? Yeah, being saved, born again, uh, regenerated. People that are made alive spiritually. They're, they're a, a, a born-again group of believers. And so being born again, most important thing. And so we see that they that were uh, identified there in verse number 42, that they, were, they that were steadfast were ones that had been saved. They now are, are, are going to uh, be it's describing them that they continued steadfastly. There was a consistency or a constancy about them. They were very constant in what they did. They were faithful in what they did. And, um, and so their, their faithfulness in the gathering for worship, they were very faithful people. They continued steadfastly. Secondly, there was a generosity about them. Um, in verse number 44, it says that, that all that believed were together and had all things in common. And so here we see this is the body of Christ at work. And I used the illustration last week. It was the eye looking out for the ear or the, the, you know, the, 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 the hand looking out for the leg or helping in need. And I'm talking about the body of Christ, of course. And what is the body of Christ, by the way? What is the body of Christ? What is the body of Christ? The church, specifically the local New Testament church. The kingdom of God is the overall body of believers, the, all the believers. The church is the body of Christ. And I think it's important that we understand that we see that that connection through the New Testament, and there's a specific about we being a body. We're not, we're not just the hand of a body that is universal. We are a hand of the body right here in the church that God has placed us in, or you're a foot of the body that God has placed you in. It is specific to a local New Testament church. And I'm, I'm pointing that out because I think it's important that we remember that. There's some people today that think that they can be part of the body of Christ and not be part of a local New Testament church. That's not the way it works. That's not what you see in the Bible at all. And, um, and so we need to understand that. Um, and, and so here they were. There was a, um, they were working together. They had all things in common, and they were helping each other. And there was specific need at that time. Um, for, for, and we talked about that last week. I'm not going to take time. But there was a unity as, as well about them. Um, and once again, what's the key phrase of the book of Acts? It's mentioned six times in the book of Acts. There's a key phrase. I talked about it last week. It has to do with unity. It's found in verse number 46. Does anybody remember what the key phrase is? Yeah, in one accord. They were in one accord. 
with one accord, with one accord. And so we see that they, they, had, they were working together. They were in unity with one another. They were working together. And last week I said this, I'm going to say it again. If the devil cannot attack us and get us and, and destroy us from without, he will definitely try to do it from within. He'll try to get somebody upset about something so small and insignificant because somebody didn't like the way you did something or somebody didn't do that you said they should have done. And they'll, he'll try to get in and infiltrate. He'll try to cause all kinds of problems and, and just small things. I mean, the smallest little thing that you'd think would never be a problem, the devil will get in and cause an issue with that, getting angry. As you're trying to serve God, you're going to do something that maybe somebody else doesn't like. Or you're going to mess up and not do something that you should have done, that somebody else says you should have done. And before you know it, and obviously I'm speaking from experience tonight. And those are things the devil is going to use. And remember I said last week also, I said when, in, when we get into this, month, this time of the year, we're praying 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're looking for revival to come up. The devil's going to try to, to get to somebody in this church is going to try to cause some kind of issue. And it's going to be something that the devil's going to try to do and to break the unity within our church. And I, I think we should not allow that to happen. I think we should not allow that to happen. I think we should be very careful that we're not the person that would create that. And so I, I would just encourage you to be praying. So uh, and last week I asked the question, are you giving of a foothold? Are you allowing the devil to work through you? Don't let that happen. And so let's be unified. And so there was unity about them. We're going to come back to that a little bit more as we study further tonight. But there was also a radiancy about them. Um, look at verse 46 again. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so it, it shouldn't surprise us as we describe what this church was and what was going on and the, the consistency of them and the sharing and the loving, the unified, the, the unity that they had, that they were also a joyful church. They had joy in that church, and, and so we see that. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. We're going to talk more about that, but let's go to our third point tonight. I want to pick up where we left off last week and continue on, and I want us to notice the magnetism of the New Testament church, the magnetism. You see, the dynamic corporate life and spiritual character of this church had great impact on the world around them. It didn't just affect the people within four walls. It had an impact, and, and by the way, then the four walls would have been house to house. They didn't have a meeting area like we have here now. That doesn't mean that this is wrong. It just means they didn't have that at that time. They did a lot of the things they did in the temple still, in synagogues, a lot of things they were doing. The, the, the church would be meeting house to house, um, and because of the fact that it would not have had a building at that time, perhaps yet. Um, but, you know, there they were, though. They were making an impact on more than just the people that were in that group. They were having a great impact, a dynamic corporate life. What does that mean? Dynamic corporate life. That means that they, as a body of believers, corporately, together, were making an impact on the world around them. They were making a big impact. And I think that's important when we look at this. This wasn't just something going on that was in private and quiet. This was having an impact on a lot of people. And there's, there's results that we see because of that. In the magnetism of this New Testament church, we see that, number one, they were effective. They were effective. Verse 43, look at it again if you would. Notice what it says. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by 
the apostles. Now that fear there, um, it, it has the idea of awe. Awe and fear, all right? The feeling produced when one realizes that God is at hand. Have you ever felt that fear in your life? Have you ever had the awe of seeing God at work and seeing the power of God that it caused, it caused you to have an awe of what God was doing and the fear of seeing the power of God? You see, the life of this first fellowship was so genuine spiritually and powerful that everyone, whether inside or outside the church, kept feeling the sense of awe. They were like, wow, look what's happening. Amazing what's going on over there. And one reason for the fear of this first, first fellowship was inspired by what it says here, many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so God, he attended the preaching of the apostles and he did it with miracles that were used to, to literally, for, so people, once again, these were identifying the fact that they were from God. This was a thing that happened at the very beginning of the church. We've already covered that. But there, after the passing of the apostolic age and the completion of the canon of scripture, the fulfillment of the, the, the perfect that has come, the word of God, the need for the signs have ended. We know that. But God, listen, he still performs miracles in response to the prayers of his people. God is still in the miracle working business. And it needs to be something that is real in our life. Do we see God answering prayer? Do we see God doing the miraculous? Does God do the miracles in your life? And people ought to see that that's real in our life. People ought to see that we are trusting in God, that we are praying and we see God answer prayer. And that ought to be something that people see in our life. And I can tell you this, that, that um, I'll tell you, I have seen God do the miraculous. You're talking about what's the greatest miracle of all that God has ever performed? You think about it now. What is the greatest miracle? Brother Randy, what's the greatest miracle? Absolutely. Amen. Salvation of the soul. I mean, we have seen in this church people that have come lost on their way to hell. Many of them in, in a very bad state. I'm talking about even as the world would see. And yet they came to know Christ as their personal Savior. And you think about the miracle of what that means. The fact that this person was a child of the devil. Now they become a child of God. This person was bound. They were dead in their trespasses and sin. Now they are set free. They're a child of God. They're on the way to heaven. And God is in the process of making them more and more like Christ every single day. God is working in their life. Man, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that you and I are born-again Christians. It is a wonderful thing to know that we are on our way to heaven. Here in this early church, there was a sense of God, the power of God, seeing God work in a great way. Now, we've never seen 3,000 people get saved at one time. I've never seen that. But does that mean that God has not worked in this place? Or does God still work today? Is God still working in Lighthouse Baptist Church? Is God still working in your life? It, do people see it? Is there a sense of God's presence and power in this church? It's a challenge to us, isn't it? I want to see more of it. How about you? I want to see more of it. And I want to pray that God would allow us to see that that's what we see here. We say that we're an independent, fundamental Baptist church. We're a New Testament church. 
I want to see God's power more in this church. And I believe God wants to work. And we see one of the things that happened when they saw God's power. In verse 47, it says, praising God. They gave praise to God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. These people, they, 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 God was working in such a way that they were effective. God was blessing. God was working in a great way. Secondly, they were attractive. Interesting, verse 47, having favor with all the people, it says. Having favor with all the people. Now, some of them that got saved they were under great persecution of their family. They might have lost their jobs. But as a whole, at this time, the great persecution hadn't started yet on all the people. There, there was a, the, here we see that they had favor with all the people. and it, There's going to come a time when intense persecution does come. But now they had favor with the people. They were still going to the temple so that all could see their changed lives. People saw a difference in these people. People saw the change in them. People were seeing Christ in them. There was a Christ-like behavior that they were seeing in them. And so these people, there was no complaining yet. There was no criticizing. There was no envying, no strife. And they had the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life. By the way, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Somebody read for me. How about Galatians 5, 22 through 23? Who would stand up and read that for me tonight? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Eric, go ahead. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Thank you, Eric. <clears throat> did these people have the Holy Spirit within them? Yes, they did. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They received it at the moment for them that they got saved. At that exact moment, they received the Holy Spirit within them. And they began to see the Holy Spirit's fruit in their life. People saw that. And as a result of that, it had an impact. And people saw that, and it was very attractive to them. Now, you say, how do you, how do you come to that conclusion? Because all you've got to do is see what's going on around them. All you've got to see is the result of what's happening. You've got to see the multiplication that begins to happen within that church. I can tell you this. That church would have not been multiplying if they'd gotten saved and then they dried up like a prune and sat on a pew and did nothing. I can guarantee you that. It, my dad used to say this. You know, some Christians look like they suck it on the back of a tailpipe of a car. That's not good. Or sucking on a pickle, right? I'm having some fun with that. But you know what? These people, that's not what they were doing. Man, they got saved. They got changed. They had the Holy Spirit within them. They had the evidence of Christ in them and the spiritual gifts flowing through them that they became very attractive. Now I say that. You want to talk about attractive? People are looking for something that's going to bring love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. They're looking for this. Now I know some in the world hate that because it's turning light on, but I'm, I'm just saying people in the world today, they would love for Christians to really be Christians. They'd love to see a change. They'd love to see something different than Christians that are over here bickering and fighting over something and all they can do is complain. They don't like to see that. What they want to see is people that are in love with God and in love with each other. And here these people, man, they were praising God and they were having favor with the people because 
They had gotten saved. God had changed them. They had something that was new. Here they came for this feast that was a dead feast. And here they are coming to a religion that was a dead religion. Nothing more than works. Nothing more than having to follow this, 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 and this. And doing all these things. And now they've been set free. That they, they understand the, the fulfillment of the law. They understand it now. They're a child of God. They have Christ in them. And as a result of that, man, that was attractive to people. I can tell you this, folks, if we will live as Christ wants us to live, people are going to want to know where our joy comes from. It's attractive to people. They're going to want to be part of what you're part of. I mean, instead of saying, man, i got to go to church tonight. Man, I can't wait to go. Man, we're, we're having such a great time, and, and God is, man, it's so wonderful. I mean, talking about the Christian life is a positive, and people being excited about that. Man, we see it's happening here. The Bible says what's happening and what, what, took, what took place. And as a result of it, we see they were productive. Very productive. And we see that the blessing was divine. God was blessing them. It says the Lord added unto them. There again, we're reminded that God is sovereign even in salvation. The Lord added unto them. And, and so in verse, uh, uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and of women. They were very productive. People were being saved by the thousands. People were coming to know Christ. And the, the, the growth was, was exploding. But it was not just a one-time thing. It was continuing. Continual. There was a constant. Growth was constant. And, and we see verse 47, Lord added to the church daily. This was a continuation. Now, if the Lord added to the church daily, what do we have to surmise by that? What's the conclusion? If we say the Lord added to the church daily, what must have been going on for the church to be added to daily? What must have been happening? Okay, prayer, absolutely. They were continued steadfastly, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Okay, so they were praying, no doubt. What else? What's that, Eric? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Okay, yeah, but why? Why were people getting saved? Why were people getting saved? Yeah, somebody's telling somebody. People were witnessing. These people didn't just drop out of the sky all of a sudden and, oh boy, these people were added daily to the church. No. These 3,000 that got saved, they had, a, they had a message to tell. They had a witness within them. They had some good news called the gospel, and they were sharing it. And people were getting saved. And, and people were getting added to the church daily as a result of it. Man, they were productive. And it was, it was something that was divine because the Lord added. The Lord was doing the work. And it was something that was constant. The growth was continual. And then the salvation uh, was, well, it says, uh, such as should be saved in verse 47. It was a continual. So they had growth, people getting saved. And, and so daily this was going on. Daily people were being saved. Church was growing and there was a lot of vi vi uh, vibrancy that was going on, a lot of excitement. And they were praising God, giving glory to God for what he was doing. So what is a New Testament church? In a nutshell, uh, it is a church that is growing, living, it's vibrant, it's fruitful. It's growing, it's living, it's vibrant, it's fruitful. Now I know I've covered other things that it is. Doctrine is important. Yes, we talked about that. Prayer is important. But when you put these things in place... You're going to have a growing, living, vibrant, fruitful church. When you follow what we see here as an example, it's a church that will continually see souls get saved. There's a continuation of it. And so effective, 
evangelism flows from the life of a healthy church. Effective evangelism flows from the life of a healthy church. A church that is not healthy will not have effective evangelism. Period. There's going to be effective evangelism from a healthy church. Now, I know there's situations and there's... Anybody could come up with a, a missionary that went to the field for 40 years and never saw his first soul get saved. Yeah, that does happen. But I'm talking about a church that is established. I'm talking about a church that has been put in a community that God has put them in. There ought to be effective evangelism that's going forth. There ought to be a continuation of evangelism. There ought to be, and it, it ought not be just by a few people within the church either. You all agree with me on that, right? Anybody want to say amen to that? that? There ought not be just a couple of people that are being evangelists within a church, right? Am I right on that? It ought to be more than just a few people. It ought to be everybody within the church. That's part of the body it, that we are sharing with what God has done for us, what God is doing for us, what God has promised us. How God has saved us. It ought to be a continuation. And so if we want to have a healthy church, evangelism must be effective. And it's got to be done. And, and so it, it, not just by one, two, three, four, ten people. It ought to be by the majority of... It would be great if it was all. But every one of us have a role in being part of the evangelism and part of the outreach of our church. And so notice the three points again. Think about it with me. Notice that the marks of a New Testament church brought about the membership of a New Testament church and that brought about the magnetism of the early church. One stems and flows from the other. The marks of a New Testament church brought about, okay, what was the marks of the New Testament church, right? Remember, they were in doctrine, steadfast in the doctrine. Remember, okay, they were, what was the next one? Steadfast in the doctrine, what was the next one? Yeah, fellowship. Yeah, breaking of bread. And prayers, good. Thank you, Jeremy. They were consistent in those. That is the the foundation, all right? Foundation of the New Testament church. That was the mark of the New Testament church. And that brought about the membership of the New Testament church growing and what was going on and what was happening. And that brought about the magnetism of the early church. All of these things are steps on top of the other. One stems from the other. And so spiritual duties produce spiritual character, which in turn produces a spiritual impact on sinners. Spiritual duties produce spiritual character, which then produces a spiritual impact on sinners. That's the way it's supposed to happen within the church. But here's the thing. Little fruit, little growth, little life. Dead church. Little fruit, little growth, little life. But what causes that in a church? No joy. No joy. Little unity. A lack of joy a lack of unity, bickering, fighting, a lack of love, not having God's love within us, not letting Christ shine through us, not having love for one another. What did, what did John say in 1 John about if we don't love our brother, then we don't love who? God. 
And so we see really what builds a vibrant church that is attractive, that is growing, that, that is seeing God work in a great way that people are in awe of. We see the result of that. And then we see if we, what, what will bring about the, the opposite of that. When people don't have joy, when people come to church and, man, I'll tell you, we're not praising God. We sit through a song service and we can't figure out why we're even singing the songs. Can't even figure out why I'm even here. Something's wrong with that. It shouldn't be that way. When we come together and we sing, but by the way, I will tell you this. The reason why that happens inside the 11 o'clock worship service, when it happens that way, is because the rest of the week we're not worshiping God. The rest of the week we're not praising God. The rest of the week we don't have the joy of the Lord in our life. The rest of the week we're going through the grind of life and we've not, been, we've not been worshiping God with our life. And then we come together on Sunday morning. It's no wonder that there's no joy. It's no wonder because we, we've, we've quenched the Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God is not being allowed to, to produce that fruit in our life. And so we, we have to be so careful with that. When the joy is gone, the unity is challenged. We're not going to have the church that's this New Testament church that we so desire to have. You can have all the marks of the New Testament church, by the way, and still mess up. Now what do I mean? I know churches that have sound doctrine, and they teach sound doctrine. And doctrine is absolutely the foundation of the church, and we ought to be teaching sound doctrine. And that's great, but we must be careful that we are not sound asleep and teaching the sound doctrine. Where we fall asleep and we're, we're so much inside, we're, oh, we've got all the doctrine right. Huh. Pharisees had tithing right too, didn't they? They had a lot of things as far as the law goes, right? But they didn't have love. They didn't understand even when Jesus, when he brought all the commandments together with just two simple commandments, when he brought them all together, but loving God with all of your heart, soul, and might, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. They couldn't understand that. And it's so important that we don't get so, you know, this is what I want to be so careful of at Lighthouse Baptist Church, that it's us four no more. We're the only ones that have a corner on the market of what's right, and so we're good. But why are we here? What's our purpose? And yes, we ought to be sound in doctrine. I'm not questioning that at all. But there ought to be love and joy to go with it. There ought to be praising God to go with it. There ought to be excitement to go with it. There ought to be souls getting saved because of the sound doctrine. Because if you say it's sound doctrine, yet there's no witnessing, there's no evangelism, something's missing. Hey, we're missing the boat. The whole purpose behind teaching the apostles' doctrine was to fulfill the Great Commission. And yeah, that God would be glorified. There ought to be magnetism. There ought to be excitement. There ought to be joy. And we have to challenge ourselves with this and then pray that God would allow us to see it and then say, God, allow for me to be part of that, the, the answer, the, the solution. Lord, help me. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? When's the last time somebody walked down this aisle that you led to the Lord, came to church? Challenge to all of us. God has a plan for our church is to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And yes, to send out missionaries. 
And yes, to corporately lift up his name and praise him, but not just for us. It's for the Lord, yes, I know that, but I would love to have people come in and see the joy of the Lord in this place and him being praised. I want to challenge you with that. Let's go ahead and stand up with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to know you. Lord, the miracle that you perform in our life. Lord, as we put our faith and trust in you. Lord, you've made us a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Lord, I pray that we would truly walk in that newness of life. Lord, that we would have the joy in our life. Lord, that people would see you in us. Lord, that I pray that you would just start a fire spark within our hearts. Lord, that we'd see you move in a great and powerful way. Lord, that we'd get excited about what you're doing. and There would be an awe of your power in this place. Lord, I know that comes as a result of us getting into your word, being sound in our doctrine, getting on our knees, praying, having proper fellowship with one another, being of a giving spirit. Remembering what you've done for us, Lord, and not keeping it to ourselves, but sharing it. Lord, I pray that you'd set our hearts afire for you. Lord, thank you for the privilege to be your ambassadors. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see so saved, Lord, this week. Guide us. I pray, Lord, that we'd be a witness for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.